Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I'm Anna David, and I interview actors, writers, musicians, and other creatives about addiction, recovery, and sharing their dark to find their light. Well, I think that all my heroes were drug addicts. This podcast features both the interviews and the stories. The interviews often share the dark. The stories often share the light. Oh, yes. I had eight butt cakes while watching 35 forensic files, but I did not drink. Are you a light hustler? Keep listening to find out. And I was like, really? Like, that's you? That's that's it? That's what I am? I'm just bad at being uncomfortable? So simple, and it also makes me feel like it's such a dick. Hi guys, Anna David here. You're listening to Light Hustler, a podcast about addiction, recovery, and sharing your dark to find your light. Sometimes, and if you are a regular listener, you know this, these are episodes that are taken from my live storytelling show. It's so exciting. You get the audience, you get the live experience, and today you get me telling a story about, it's one of my um, dating escapades, there are many, Mm, That's true. And um, this is what happens to a girl who answers an email that says, I'm hot and you're hot. Plus, I'm sober and you're sober. Does this sound like a relationship that's destined for success? I don't know. I certainly didn't know then. The exciting thing about this story is that it's actually in my new book, How to Get Successful by Fucking Up Your Life. Yes, the written out version of the story you're about to hear is in that book. So if you like this episode, if it makes you laugh at all, I hope you'll consider picking up a copy of that book. You can get it at howtogetsuccessful.com. And with that, I'm going to give you my story. Our next performer tonight needs no introduction. It is the wonderful Anna David who's put together this whole show for us tonight. She's a six times New York Times bestselling author, and she's also the creatress of Light Hustle Publishing. Give it up for Anna. Hi, let's give it up for Lauren Wallet again. Um, okay, so... This is a message that appeared in my, uh, MySpace, anybody? Okay, okay. So, for anyone who doesn't know, before Facebook, there was this thing called MySpace. And it sucked. It really sucked. You had to listen. You had to hear people's favorite song. That was the worst part about MySpace, is you'd go on, you'd be, like, assaulted by this horrible music. Anyway, I was, of course, really into MySpace. And um, one day I get this message, and it says, I'm hot, and you're hot. I'm sober, and you're sober. Like the douchiest message anyone in the history of messaging has ever written. But here's the thing. 
you guys can't see the face that I come. I mean, this guy was fucking gorgeous. And so he was so pretty that it made like somehow that message almost not quite Shakespeare, but seemed like quite brilliant. And, um, and so I write him back and he writes me back and pretty, then like we're doing that, that kind of relationship that addicts just excel in, you know, that kind, it's like fantasy artifice masquerading as like, Oh my God, I found the one. And, um, and we're doing, that and we're like talking on the phone and we're messaging and and I explained my situation to him which is basically so I was living in New York I had lived in LA from 96 to 2007 and I had gone to New York for the summer and it was like I don't know if you ever had that thing where it was like I felt like theme music was playing everywhere I went <laughs> like everyone was just like you're amazing and I'm like I know I just needed to come to New York to be seen and appreciated and it was like and it was like fall in New York and it was like so beautiful and so and so I decided to stay and then I had winter in New York oh my god anyway radically the theme music fucking turned down in the winter but but so I explained to this guy that I have um you know come to New York for summer but I've for the fall and I've decided to stay and so I'm gonna go back to LA ship all my things to New York and then like stay in New York for good and his answer like any good obsessive alcoholic is I've been wanting to move to New York for a long time. I'll come back with you. Okay. We haven't met. Okay. And, um, and did I mention that he was a month and a half sober? And like a horrible junkie before that? I didn't because I was like, I was seven years sober. And, and like I knew about dating newcomers because I had been judging people for seven years about doing it. And I was like, I was just like, well, you know, you hear all those expressions. It's like networking in the nut house. And, um, and like there's um, the, the odds are good, but the goods are odd. Um, and... And I had heard all of them, but I fell back on this other expression, which I'm very familiar with, which is, it'll be different for me. And so, so that's how I ended up landing in LAX like two weeks later, and he's holding chocolates and a sign that says, Mrs. with his last name. Oh, yeah. Oh, it was on. And, um, and so we begin our relationship. Now, now he also um, chain-smoked. Has anyone heard my story about how my intolerance about smoking? Anyway, like, I'm that person. I see people smoking, and I'm like, oh. Like, I'm that person. But I was like, he chain-smoked. I was like, secondhand smoke. I mean, what's the harm, really? And, um, and, so, and so we spent the two weeks in L.A. We, like, you know, packed up all my stuff and shipped it. And then we'd spend a lot of time in his apartment, and I would convince myself secondhand smoke is really not that bad. And so then we fly to New York together and I'm like dozing on his shoulder and I'm like, wow, it's just like, look how my life has changed in like a week. I have this new boyfriend, but we decide we're going to be really not alcoholic about it. We are not going to move in right away. Instead, he's going to get a hotel like down the street from where I live. So we get to New York and he is not nearly as helpful unpacking when my stuff comes as he had been packing because of this chain smoking thing. And I lived on like the fifth floor and he was like, he would like have to go downstairs. Anyway, and he was getting a little bit cranky. And so basically I got to know him once we were in New York. And what I realized is that he was not very helpful in conversation either. 
dude did not fucking talk. And so like, I realized like we're sitting at like a dinner, we're sitting at some diner and he like kind of grunted his way through this meal. And um, he confessed to me that he didn't like going out to meals and he didn't like doing anything. Yeah. The man I was beginning my life with. And he explained that what he preferred to do was to eat pizza in his hotel room. And I'm like, I can work with this pizza in his hotel room. And so I spent the next, uh, you know, few weeks in this hotel room eating pizza, pretending secondhand smoke wasn't that bad. And I should mention he had totally lost interest in sex at this point. A side effect of the medication he was taking. And the medication he was taking, he was getting from a psychiatrist he talked to three times a week. Mostly I was like, how the fuck is this guy psychiatrist getting him to talk for an hour? I want to know his secrets. But like, so, and so the thing is he was taking like, you know, all the SSRIs, like all of us say, yay, SSRIs, anybody? Um, he, but he was also taking Klonopin. And my stance on that is like, whatever, I'm not a doctor. If like in recovery, like it's all, whatever. But, but I, I was like, does that mean he's not sober? Because then I'm not dating a newcomer, so there's that. But, um, but I, you know, I was just like, I can work with this situation. And, um, and so then more time passes, and, and, and we're totally miserable. He's kept this sign, the do not disturb sign on his hotel room for so long that, like, the maids are, like, pretending it doesn't exist. It's just, like, pizza boxes and an ashtray, and it's just, like, disgusting, and two people sitting there not having sex, and it was just, like, so bad. But, but New Year's was around the corner, and, and then I was like, well, and then the weather's going to get nice and maybe he'll cheer up. So, but it was on New Year's Eve that I just hit my breaking point. Like we're sitting there over a silent pizza dinner and I'm like, I can't fucking take this anymore. We are not compatible. And he said, and this is a direct quote, why don't we just stay together and be unhappy until the spring? We can break up then. <laughs> give it to him. He knew we were unhappy. Um, and I was like, I don't see the point in that. And then I was like, but I, but it's almost the ball is going to drop. Whatever. I, I didn't make it to New Year's. I walked home and it's like pouring rain. I'm crying. And like, people are like, happy new year. And I was just like, oh my God, what the fuck has my life become? And then, then like, here's the thing is like, they have this saying, it's like under every slip and under every skirt is a slip. Is that what it is? That's the expression. Whatever. I sound 87 years old. I understand. But anyway, the idea is that the reason you're not supposed to do that is that, like, your sobriety will be in jeopardy. And, like, my sobriety wasn't in jeopardy. Like, my thing is, like, at a certain point, I, I remember how miserable the drinking was. Like, I don't go to, like, oh, I should have a drink. I go to, like, I should die. And I didn't want to, like, die. I wasn't suicidal over it, but I was, like, very sad of like, and it's that sadness that it's like, it's not about him. It's about like the sadness that like my fantasy, like this is falling in love with a beautiful stranger thing is like, it's not actually how it works. And so anyway, we, he goes back to LA. I stay in New York. Time passes. I get over it. And then one day, like we have not spoken at all. And one day I'm sitting in a cafe in LA and his, my phone rings and it's him. And I'm like, wait, does he see me? Like, what's happening? Does he realize, like, he lost the best thing that could have ever happened to him? Probably. And I pick up, and I'm like, hi. And he's like, oh, my God, you answered. And he sounds so excited. And I'm like, yeah, what's what's going on? And he's like, okay, so my friend and I, 
We've been playing online poker for like a few days and we've been locked out. And so we have to have someone call from another IP address and like log into, and can you do that? And I'm like, what did you say? And he's like, well, you're on a different IP address and you could log into this like online poker. I was like, why did you call me? And he's like, well, I was trying to think about who I knew who was always in front of the computer. This is not why you want your ex to call you. And I communicated that so effectively to him that I have not heard from him since. Thank you.